it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. Remember, kids, this is not how you play hockey. It's just ugly. I like it. Where you guys? You know what? I love ice cream too. Go back to Canada, Gila Fleur. Game on! Yeah, game on! Hello and welcome into another episode of the Hockey Show right here on Mile High Sports. We got a little bit of a change up. We got a mashup for you. Still me here, but we got Ryan. Bolding, he's uh, in the mountains, he's on IR. We got a lower body for him. So, uh, in his place, we got some call ups Arif Dean and my boy Patrick Stedman. If those names sound familiar to you, that is the trio, the core that makes up the Hockey Mountain High podcast, your go to avalanche podcast. Can't forget that last part. But, Arif, Patrick, how you guys doing? Thanks for joining me here on the Hockey Show where we talk all things hockey right here in Colorado. I love it. We talk Avalanche. We talk NHL. This is a dream for me, and it's live TV, so you guys can't mute me after I talk for a minute <laughs> and a half straight. Yeah, I mean, uh, full, you know, let's pull the curtain back, and you know, even on our podcast, you're always like, let's talk NHL, let's talk NHL, and I'm like, Arif, we'll touch on it, but this is an Avalanche podcast, but here, this is the hockey show where we touch on all things hockey-related, so Patrick, say what's up to the people. I'm so happy you're here and you have a mic. Most people you know, know that you only do the controls on our podcast, so, uh, you know, serenade them with your sweet vocals it's uh it's probably for the best that i just stay behind the scenes um i'm just gonna do my best not to say anything stupid today (laughs) (laughs) no see we're here we got to build his confidence up because patrick's a hilarious guy we just got to get him uh you know comfortable on the mic so he's gonna be here chipping in and throwing in his two cents but Arif, let's get into it as we start every single one of these shows we start with the matinee money and that's uh taking a game that's going on usually during saturdays during the day today there's only one and that's uh, the Boston Bruins at New Jersey Devils. This is what I have for this one. So Boston was favored going into it, minus 155. They're already up one nothing, But New Jersey has been losing me a lot of money this year. And they're, by losing me, it's because I'm picking the teams that they're playing against. And they keep beating them. So I didn't want to do it again. They did it to me on Thursday against the Islanders. I didn't want to get uh, fall victim to them again. So I took New Jersey plus one and a half. The plus one and a half. So they only got to lose by one or better. That's a solid bet. I mean, they're on a three-game win streak, so I'm guessing that's where you lost all that money. But uh, (laughs) the plus one and a half is an underrated puck line play in in hockey. It's kind of weird, but uh, I like that. If they're going to lose, they're going to lose by a goal. But if they win, you win. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm with it. So with that, I kind of wanted to start this conversation off with let's let's look at the NHL. You've been itching. Usually Ryan and I save it for the end, but we have a hockey preview. We got a game tonight. So the Avs face off against the San Jose Sharks. We're going to preview the heck out of that in the following segment. So for now, let's stick with the NHL. And like I was saying, New Jersey is just one of those teams that have impressed, right? And there's a handful of them around the NHL. There's some good teams that you didn't expect to be anything. And and you kind of look at the Avalanche, some good teams that were uh, supposed to be something and ended up not being too much out of the gate. So let's look at those teams out of the gate. What are some of the teams that you've really enjoyed watching so far in the NHL and that have maybe surpassed your expectations? Literally the entire Metropolitan Division. They are a lot of fun. The Islanders are currently in last place. They've played their first 11 games on the road. They're 5-4-2. They have 12 points in 11 games. That's better than the Avalanche. So if the Avalanche were in the Metropolitan, all eight teams have a better record than them. Pittsburgh's in second last, and they're 5-3-4. and the Blue Jackets are in sixth place. They're way, way out of the playoff picture, and they're seven and four. They just beat the Avs twice. So literally that entire division, Devils obviously have been a lot of fun. The Rangers have kind of been a lot of fun. The Caps are eight, two, and four, and Ovechkin's got 12 goals in 13 games, and he just passed Brett Hall, and Carolina's 10 and two. Like the entire freaking division over there is doing great. Yeah, I want to touch on the Islanders there. I mean, how insane is it that they have to start the season the way they are? When does that end? Because I know we're all waiting for their new building to be ready, so that's why they had to start on the road, much like Seattle. But Seattle's already started a few games uh, at home. November 20th versus Calgary Flames. They're going to break ground at Belmont or UBS Arena in Belmont. Uh, So, yeah, 13 straight games on the road. I remember in the offseason they asked Lou Lamorello about it, and they said, hey, uh, Lou, what did you think when you saw the schedule and you saw you were starting with 13 straight games on the road? He said, I got up from my desk and had to take a walk. Pretty pissed off general manager. But they're holding their ground. They're 5-4-2. and two. It's not bad. Yeah, it's hurting them, though. I mean, I, I think they should be a lot better than they are. But 5-4-2, and two, not bad. I, I guess I would take it. Patrick, any other teams out there in the NHL that are kind of standing out to you as maybe overachievers right now? Uh, not necessarily, no. Um, 
You know, the team that I uh, was kind of underwhelmed by, I guess, that I was expecting maybe would have had like a little bit of a bigger start. I was looking at Dallas in our division and thinking, you know, they were going to come out a lot hotter than they did. And I felt that way about us, too. But uh, Dallas kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, how quickly the the stars fell from that series against the Avalanche, right? I mean, they, they seemed so unbeatable. Kudobin looked like the Hulk. <laughs> despite he didn't want to go home, um, you know, against the Avalanche. And then the next year, they just fall off, didn't make the playoffs. And in here, again, I'm with Patrick. I thought they were going to be a much better team than they are. Slow out of the gate, juggling these goaltenders. I'm not sure Braden Holtby is the answer for them. He doesn't seem to be such a great they, fit. They just recalled Jake Ottinger. They they need to give that guy more starts because I, I don't know why they went to the well with Braden and, and added Braden to Kadobin to an injured Bishop, and, and to a young guy like Jake Ottinger who's trying to get his feet wet in the NHL. Uh the Dallas Stars are an interesting case because they kind of they had a weird season uh, last year because of COVID, and then there was that big snowstorm in Dallas that caused the electricity to go out for like a month, and that really affected a lot of the players. I don't think we talk enough about that, but yeah. we expected them to kind of come out stronger this year. They're four six and two, but here's the craziest part: they've played twelve games. They haven't won a single game in regulation. They got three overtime wins and three on three and one shootout win. Wow! In twelve games, that's a bad number they're they're tied with the chicago blackhawks granted chicago's played three games more than them but they're not looking too hot and i think the avalanche play them soon so that's going to be an easy way to kind of boost your confidence like you did against the canucks a couple days ago yeah i mean that's kind of the thing about the avalanche we'll dive into this a little bit more when we when we get into them but i mean they have kind of an opportunity here with their schedule of an easier little stretch so if there's any time to string together some wins it's now um the detroit wet red wings Arif, i know you this is a team that's close to your heart but man go. this is a team that came out of nowhere i mean they change up their goalies add a few pieces and suddenly they are a playoff team and not even just squeaking in there if the playoff started today i think they're in second place so they are not only uh, in, but they are secured in. I mean, who knows how long that'll last, but as we mentioned on the podcast, again, Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast, check it out on all podcast providers. The uh, Detroit Red Wings, or uh, I mean, the playoff picture is pretty much, you get a good idea for what it's going to look like right around American Thanksgiving time. Yeah, they've played a lot of games. They've played 15 games. They're one point up on Tampa Bay, but they, you know, Tampa has three games in hand. So that's not going to last much. But if the playoffs started right now with the standings we have right now, it's a Toronto versus Detroit first round series. And you know that's got Toronto blowing it written all over <laughs> it. Uh, but the Red Wings look good, man. I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi, he's the only player that's not vaccinated. He has to miss games whenever they go to Canada, but he's got nine goals and 15 points in 12 games. Lucas Raymond is likely going to win the Calder Trophy. You know, early signs say that. He's got six goals and 14 points in 15 games. And Moritz Seider, he's a defenseman. He's 20, 11 points in 15 games. Vladislav Nemestikov's got seven goals in 15 games, former ad. They, they're getting scoring from everywhere. And then in goal, they have uh, Nedeljkovic, who's kind of really secured that goaltending for them. Him, him and Thomas Grace are splitting duties. But, man, they look young and fun and exciting. And it kind of reminds me of the Avs. Uh, not this current era of the Avs, but that first era of the Avs when O'Reilly and Duchesne were rookies and all these rookies came in and just started playing great and kind of like reinvigorated the franchise with a new goalie and Craig Anderson. Like that's what the Red Wings feel like right now. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I mean, I knew the goaltending changes would help them out, but I didn't know they would make this big of an impact. But um, staying on the topic of goalies, I want to get into the Anaheim Ducks because that's another team that's kind of snuck from behind and really led by John Gibson. I mean, John Gibson saving them games. And uh, for me, it kind of kind of stings me to see Anaheim doing that well because I was hoping that John Gibson would maybe be available come trade deadline time because, of course, around here in Colorado, we're still looking for a secured backup goaltender. I know you had some ideas floating around there with Marc-Andre Fleury. I think John Gibson would be a great option, but um, with them scoring the way they are, it, it, it's tough, I guess. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the idea of John Gibson and then uh, Anaheim Ducks as a whole? He's a fun goalie. Uh, I like him a lot. He Obviously, I, I expected him to come out strong because he's going into this season knowing that he's got a lot of competition for the Olympics. One of them is Thatcher Demko, who the Avalanche you know, lit up for six goals a couple of days ago. But you know, obviously, the big one is Connor Hellebuck for the Winnipeg Jets. Gibson wants to start for the States, and uh, this is his chance to do it. He's got to have a great season. I'm going to interrupt really, really quickly. I know we're not supposed to do this, but the Avalanche... Breaking, breaking news? The Avalanche <laughs> just claimed right-winger Nicholas Cabell off waivers from the Philadelphia Flyers. Seven games, one assist, nine shots on goal, six pims, minus three. He plays about 10 minutes a game. He plays a lot of PK time, but he's coming to the Avs. He was just claimed on waivers. 
that's interesting that the Avs are making some waiver acquisitions, considering that we we were expecting maybe a uh, uh, taking a flyer on Blake Como a couple days ago, right? The Dallas Stars, like like Patrick brought up, had, were off to a slow start. They made some changes with their lineup. Wave Blake Como. And, you know, that's a guy that the Avs are familiar with. I think Bednar likes his style, right? He's a very Bednar-type player. Go hard in the corners and throw some bodies around. So I was surprised that the, the Avalanche didn't take a shot at him, and they're taking a shot on this guy. I guess, is there anything you could tell us about him? I don't really know much about him. He's a spark plug. I mean, he, uh, he, he kind of started to get his feet wet with the Philadelphia Flyers right around the time that uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar left the team, 17, 18, 18, 19, around there, uh, when he went to the Vegas Golden Knights. So... I like him. I mean, he. I mean, I, I. I don't love him, but he's a depth piece. He's a guy, and I think the biggest issue we've had with the Avalanche this year is uh, they've they've played a lot of games with guys like Jason Megna and Kiefer Sherwood and Stefan Matteau and uh, who's the other one, Dylan Sakura, and all these guys that you'd rather see in the AHL. At least Abi Cabell plays a lot of NHL minutes. He played fifty out of fifty six games last year, and now he's played obviously seven for the Flyers. It's just a numbers game for them. So, the Avalanche are more top heavy than a lot of other teams. And once you get to like 11, 12, 13, 14 on the death chart of forwards, they drop off massively. And that's what happens when you lose Donskoy and all these other guys they lost in the summer. So he's kind of just going to add a body. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's one of my biggest takeaways from Jared Bednar's postgame press conference the other night against Vancouver is that he, he subtly mentioned that there's a lot more injury than we're aware of. Uh, within this team, right? He said that he's has he's had some guys play in practice that otherwise would have probably had the day off because they're nursing an injury and just kind of forced them to go out there, take it easy, but you know get the reps in and and get some of the plays in. So um, yeah, I think there's there's more injury than we realize. So yeah, bodies are good. More bodies are good. I, I, I'm still surprised about Blake Como. But before we wrap out up for the segment, I would just want to touch on one last thing around the NHL, and that's ESPN's power rankings that came out on Wednesday, Arif. I'll just start with the number, the, the top three. Florida Panthers, one. Carolina Hurricanes, two. Edmonton Oilers, three. And the Avs way down at 17. I guess, what's your take on the top three and Avs being basically out of a playoff spot according to their power rankings? Panthers have been unreal. Hurricanes have been unreal. The Edmonton Oilers have been a pleasant surprise with the addition of Zach Hyman really rounding out that forward core for them. And Yessi Pugliarvi taking a massive step for them, giving them that depth they needed around Dreisaitl and McDavid. Their defense is still a little suspect, but they're in the market for one. They're goaltending. They're in the market for one. If they can make some big additions, they're going to stay up there all year. The Avalanche in 17th seems right. I mean, we've been saying this for the last month on the podcast. If the Avalanche could just hang around 500, hang around the middle of the pack until they start to get healthy like they did against the Canucks, granted without McKinnon, then they're going to be able to go on a run as soon as they're ready to go. And it seems like this is the time for the Avalanche to do that. So 17, if that's the lowest you're going to be all year and you're still hanging around 500, then it's just going to go up from here. Patrick, are you insulted by a 17 power ranking for the Avalanche? Uh, if you'd asked me that a week ago, I think I'd have been surprised they were that high or maybe two weeks ago, but uh, 17 feels about right right now. We're starting to get it figured out. Yeah, I think I'm with both of you guys. 17 is fair for right now, but I think, you know, come the end of the season, they better be up in that top 10 or else we're in for another tough playoff stretch. But that'll do it here for the first segment of the hockey. Uh, the- the hockey show. I'm getting confused. We are, yeah. This is the show, not the podcast. Right, right. So this is the hockey show right here on Mile High Sports. JJ Derez, Arif Dean, Patrick Stedman with me. We'll be right back. Danny Bailey behind the class. Can't forget Danny Bailey. You're the greatest, Danny. Be back. Right now, it's 16 minutes past the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. Scream? <laughs> Great, good stuff. I think people are getting really cranked. And we're back here on the Hockey Show on Mile High Sports. Catch us on all platforms. You can see YouTube. We're live streaming on Twitter. You can catch the post-production on any podcast provider. And, of course, we're on live radio, terrestrial radio, guys, FM 98.1. So if you're joining us live, thanks for hanging out with us. JJ Jerez, Arif Dean, Patrick Stedman here in studio live for you. Again, it's a little hockey 
Hockey Mountain High mashup. Man, the two shows are just getting jumbled in my brain right now. i got to stop trying to say the names of them. But let's get into some Colorado Avalanche. Again, there's a hockey game tonight against the San Jose Sharks. That's what got me so excited to have you guys in the studio today was to preview that because, you know, we're very Avalanche heavy on the podcast. So, Arif, you were at Morning Skate this morning. Um, I guess, what are the notables? I know not too many people showed up. It was more of an optional thing today. Yep, and the most important information we got today is Bowen Byram is not feeling well and will not be playing. He took that hit a couple days ago from Bo Horvat, which, by the way, can we please stop saying that Bo Horvat purposely and intentionally hit him no. with an elbow? It was a, it was a hockey it play It was a hockey finest. play. It was a hockey play at his finest. It was a collision. That's what it was. His head collided with Bo Horvat's elbow uh, accidentally. But anyway, so he felt good on Friday for practice, Bo and Byram, and he practiced and felt fine. And Jared said yesterday, if he feels fine tomorrow, he'll play and woke up today. And we asked Jared and he said he's feeling not great. And uh, that obviously means he's feeling some sort of symptoms of the concussion that he probably has. So uh, no Bo Byram today. Ryan Murray's coming in. He's going to play on that second pair with Samuel Gerard. Johnson and Johnson will live another game, uh, which I like that pair on the third pair. So uh, that's the big news today. Yeah, not ideal considering Bo Byram already has concussion uh, history. So it's, you know, put, setting, putting him a step backwards on that front. But, um, you know, it's just tough because Bo and Byram has hands down. You go through the stats, and I was looking at the uh, game sheet this morning, right, that the Avalanche prepares before every game. And it was basically saying a, a ton of stats like, oh, Bo and Byram is the first Avalanche defenseman to do, 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 do since Kale McCarr. And, and it said that for about three different categories. Now, of course, Kale McCarr is only a couple years ago that he's been a rookie. Um, but it just show, goes to show you how Bowen Byram is, if not better, the next version of Kale McCarr on this team. So he's just such a pivotal piece. And what he's done for this team so far in this young year has been amazing. So for him to start battling issues with this team that's been battling issues all year, I mean, you can't help but be frustrated and want to break a table. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him. I mean... The, the the biggest issue I have with it is is that it's a concussion. It's not just an injury where it's like, you know, people suffer setbacks and have injuries. It's a concussion thing, and you don't want that to be a constant with him in his career where you're always worried when he goes into the corners because if he takes another one, it might be the last one. Right, because injuries heal up. Concussions, you, you, never, you know. never know. You it's, can never put an d- exact timeline on a concussion. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of depends on the person. And, you know, you've had somebody like Sidney Crosby come back and concussions are a thing of the past for him. And then you've had Peter like people like Peter Mueller with the Avalanche, who obviously his career is no more. Joey Hishin, whose career is no more. Guys like that that have dealt with concussions and, you know, never gotten better. Matt Calvert's another one. Former Avalanche great Paul Correa. Yes, Paul Correa is probably the biggest on that list. And that was before people even knew what the hell to do with concussions. So, uh, you know... You're okay it, saying hell. Hell's hell's a safe radio word. You never know. I I, I, I have to read <laughs> through the, <laughs> the regulations, but uh, but yeah, no. Back on topic. The, uh, the 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 fact that it's a concussion is what is a big issue for me. But you know, hopefully, this is something that he can get past. Yeah, absolutely. Sooner than later, because he's just been he's been my favorite avalanche. I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. And I know I'm supposed to be media and not have a fan bias here, but no, he's been fun to watch. He's been. Just, you know, I can't wait to get to be there in person with him because before it was Miko Ranton in my favorite Avalanche, right? And mainly because when you go and get to talk to him, he's just such a delight to talk to. I get the same vibe from Bo and Byram. So, uh, you know, who knows if we ever get to return to regular locker room access. Patrick, I guess, you know, if you had to choose Kale McCarr or Bo Byram for the future of this team, not this year. I know that's a really tough thing to throw, but I love comparing the two because they're doing such similar things, right? They're amazing as rookies. They play similarly. If you had to pick one or the other, luckily the Avalanche don't have to do that. We don't. But who would you take? (laughs) Yeah, we've had a, I don't know, just really good fortune with our D for years now. And uh, between those two, man, you're talking about two amazing D guys. I think I'd go McCarr. Yeah, yeah, I'll just go McCarr to make it easy on myself and just make a decision. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's the obvious choice. I think There's... it's the obvious choice, but if you look at what's been done so far this year, you got to be leaning Byron a bit, right? <sighs> Especially with that little bit of snarl he has Well, to. I mean, having a strong rookie season is something a lot of people do, but following it up with a Norris caliber season and, you know, continuing to develop is something that not everybody can do. So it's it's for Bowen Byram. I'm not saying he I, I, I'm on high alert for his game. I'm just saying if Bowen Byram takes a little bit of a step back. Like we even saw the guy that the Avalanche played last game, Quinn Hughes. He didn't have the best sophomore season after having a great rookie year. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to be a star in this league, but 
Kale McCarr did something that not a lot of defensemen do. He came into the league. He had a strong rookie season. He built on it, and he's going to get better pretty much every year throughout his prime. And that's not something you always see. Granted, he's got injury issues, and you got to make sure that that doesn't start to slow him down. But Kale's an easy answer. But, you know, like Patrick said, the Avalanche are loaded at D. They got Kale. They got, you know, Bone Byram. Sam Gerrard had a heck of a game or should I say hell of a game against the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't even include the fact that you got somebody like Justin Barron in the system who's waiting to lick his chops to get in there as well. You know what we haven't touched on, especially because we haven't podcasted since it happened, is the Nathan McKinnon injury, right? Let's get into that right now. Obviously, with the game against Vancouver, you, ha- you saw some good guys get back in the lineup. Not only get back in the lineup, but do well, ma- make an impact. Got- those guys are Valerie Nachuskin, Alex Newhook, and then... OC, Logan O'Connor was in the lineup the whole time, but he made a big impact. Those three guys really stood out as the reasons for Vancouver. And Kale McCarr. McCarr missed the game before as well. Yeah. He was a returner. And and he looked a little bit more like himself than we'd seen all year. But with Nathan McKinnon, obviously a big blow to the offense. But we did our homework, Arif, and we kind of realized that from a win-loss record, the Avalanche actually tend to do okay without Nathan McKinnon. I mean, clearly they're better with McKinnon in the lineup, but they kind of stay right around the same record when he's not there. I believe they're 12 and 6 with Nathan McKinnon since that 17 18 year, which, as you know, many of you know, is the year that 13 and 6 now. 13 and 6. Yeah, correct. They're 13 and 6. And it's, it's uh, since the 17 18 season, which is a year that McKinnon broke out into a superstar in the NHL, not just a good player, but an amazing player. And uh, that to me is good news because you see teams like Pittsburgh, and whenever Sidney Crosby's out of the lineup, Evgeny Malkin steps up. Whenever Malkin's out of the lineup, Crosby plays better. Whenever both are out of the lineup, the Penguins are 17-4-2 in their last 23 games without Sid and Gino. So imagine the Avalanche doing that without, you know, let's say Nathan and Kale in the lineup or Nathan and Miko. Without both of them in the lineup, the Avalanche going on a run like that. You want to see that from your team because what that says is the players know when you have a Nathan McKinnon, it's kind of like in basketball. When you have a Jokic to pass the ball to, you pass the ball to him. And when he's down because he was suspended, other guys got to step up. And we saw the guys step up for the Nuggets. And that's what you want to see in the Avalanche's sake. And they're going to kind of keep the ship afloat. It's going to give opportunities to guys like Newhook to play more minutes, to play on the power play. And then when McKinnon comes back, well, now you have guys that were stepping up when he was out now have kind of you know, uh, distinguish their spot in the lineup, and then you bring in McKinnon, and you're just a better team, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, and uh, we also kind of, in doing our homework on this stuff, we kind of realized that they're they're really good defensively when they're not missing when they're missing Nathan McKinnon. I mean, really good. By by that I mean they just keep the games tighter, right? They might not be scoring as many goals because your biggest offensive weapon is missing, but they're also not allowing as many goals when he's out of the lineup. So it's like that that flips gets switched in their minds, right? And the switch gets flipped. The flip gets switched, and they uh, <laughs> they they decide that uh, we got to play some tighter D here and 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 do a little bit more since McKinnon's not there. But, uh, yeah, I think that was a pretty crazy stat to see, that they, they just aren't too much of a different team. Obviously, offensively they are, but win-losses they aren't. No, and th- that's what the numbers show. It's just hilarious to say that because they just put up seven goals on the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> yeah. without McKinnon. They put up a touchdown. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's good. I think it's crazy to think that McKinnon, the earliest he'll be back is December 1st in Toronto. That's the three-week range. Assuming it takes him exactly three weeks, that's when he would come back which means that heading into December, no matter what the Avalanche's record is, they're going to head into December 1st, starting that month with their star center, Nathan McKinnon, having one goal on the season because that's all he's got right now. And that's not something anybody envisioned. McKinnon's a guy that scores six or seven a month, if not more than that. You expect him to have 15 goals by December 1st. He's going to have one. So again, when you talk about the Avalanche, when you talk about the start they've had and all the injuries they've had, and now obviously they brought in another guy, Nicholas Obikobel, who, by the way, doesn't play the PK. I mixed him up with another player on that team. But when you bring in a player like that, it's simply to say we have a lot of injury issues. We need more depth. And uh, they're they're finding a way to stay afloat. And, you know, like you said earlier, they got a pretty easy schedule coming up where they could really take advantage, string together some wins and really get above 500 here. All right, and a big reason for that, I think, is Miko Rantanen's resurgence, right? We had uh, Peter Baugh the other day after the Vancouver game kind of asked, hey, it looks like you've had some bad puck luck so far this year. And Miko Rantanen kind of struck oh, that oh, up. Oh, I did? Yeah, he's like, do, do I have a bad puck luck? It doesn't feel <laughs> like it because I just scored two goals. <laughs> have you seen the stats? It's funny, yeah, because it was originally one goal, and then they had to change that JT Comfort one to a second one because Tyler Meyer scored on himself. Right, so, uh, yeah, Rantanen finding his groove. I guess, Patrick, let's let's get to you a little bit here. Obviously, Rantanen's a huge piece of the pie, but 
with him kind of being this uh, res- finding this resurgence in his game, I guess, is he the guy you have to lean on the most here? Because JT Comfort, him and Branton are both tied for the team lead in goals with five, but obviously I don't think JT Comfort is the guy you weigh heavily on. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Comfort's been really uh, picking up the slack. Um, I'm not sure if he's capable of doing that, you know, for a full season or if he's going to ebb and flow, you know, like he has in the past. But I absolutely think Rantanen's who you can lean on there. Um, he's definitely proven that he's he's maybe not quite as an elite player as McKinnon, but I don't know. I think you could make the argument he's he's up there. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. yeah. Um, and so if, if he's in that conversation, you know, right next to the – you know, obviously our, our highest offensive weapon, then I, I think he's the guy you have to lean on for sure. And I, I think the real thing that you kind of notice there is what Confer's leading the team with goals right now. And I mean, Confer's game has been impeccable. The fact that he's sliding into the first line instead of Nazem Kadri, and Nazem Kadri's been crushing it. Let me tell you, Kadri, he's got a five game point streak right now. Kadri's got a ton of points. He's he's got a ton of assists. We've pumped his tires left and right on our podcast about his playmaking abilities. So the fact that Confer slides in over Kadri that quickly, I guess, just tells you everything you need to know about what they think about JT Confer in, in that front office and coaching room. Well, I mean, that also says to me that it's great to have a couple of uh, it's great to have two lines that are a little bit more evened out. And if you put Kadri on that top line with Landeskog and, and Miko, you're you're stacking it a heck of a lot more than with JT there. Because now you have Kadri who can build chemistry with Val and Berkey, who's going to be the guys that he's going to play with ultimately all year. Ideally, assuming nobody else in the top six is injured, which right now has been every game. One of them has pretty much been out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it kind of evens out the lineup, so the lineup a little bit more. And I like the fact that Bedner is still keeping Kadri on that second PP unit to really make sure that he doesn't completely stack the top unit. And suddenly the second PP unit was the one that scored. Kadri, Natushkin, and Newhook. And then you have a couple of defensemen in Gerard and Taves on the back end. And it's just great to see how much depth this Avalanche team has. And JT Confer's resurgence this year really gives them the ability to, to have that balance. Because... As we saw said all summer, we're worried about the Avalanche's depth. And as we've seen all season, it's been their depth that stepped up. And now we're starting to see the Stars step up after that Vancouver game, which means that you're finally going to have a full team of guys that are playing at their best. Yeah, with that, here's a fun little stat from the Av- uh, Avalanche win over the Vancouver Canucks the other day. The Avs PK unit has only allowed one penalty, one power play goal this season. Or Sorry, let me start that over. The Avs penalty, penalty kill unit has allowed only one power play goal in the last seven games. And the Avs scored multiple power play goals in the first in, in a game for the first time all season last game. Yeah, and they also scored a shorthanded goal there, the Darren Helm and Logan O'Connor play. So they're even on the, on, on the penalty kill. They've allowed one, they've scored one, and that's a great number any way you shake it. And that's the second shorthanded goal this season, right? JT Confer has one too. So shorthanded so. goals was never in the Avalanche's repertoire. So to see that coming. And last thing I wanted to get to before we really dive into the pregame was Jared Bednar's energy postgame. Uh, after the Vancouver win, he still, you know, it was a great win. They slaughtered the Canucks, but he still has just this sense of frustration to him. I mean, he's just not, doesn't have the good positive energy vibe to him. He still seems like, man, we just aren't where we need to be. We aren't where we want to be. Obviously, progress is being made. They're on their way there, but he's still just not happy with things. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've been talking about this for the last two months. This season is a marathon. It's not a sprint like last year. You don't need to get your feet wet and, and, and get on top of your game right away. I mean, last season, the Avalanche were 3-3 three and three after the first six games, and you were ready to call them a bust of a, se- a, bust of a team. And, and I don't blame you for that because they had 50 more over a four-month period going into the playoffs. You have to get your things together ASAP. Meanwhile, this year, it's November 13th. The regular season doesn't end until April 29th for the Avalanche. I believe April 30th is when it's the last day for the entire NHL, and we're still in November. It's going to be a long haul. By April 30th last year, you know, four or five months after the season started, you were already well into the first or second round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Well, yeah, let's get into uh, tonight's matchup with the Sharks next here. We'll be right back. And uh, as always, thanks, everybody, for listening, and catch us um on our regular podcast right gotta we gotta while we're here we gotta pimp that Arif. we gotta tell people about it because i think you're struggling to still this uh did like you know separate the two but we are one today. the hockey show meets the hockey mountain high podcast your go-to avalanche show the hockey mountain high show <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back jj Jerez, Arif dean patrick stedman danny bailey mile high sports
go, Colorado. And there you have it, Gilbert Godfrey here on the Hockey Show. He's he's one of the friends of the show. Did you miss that whole thing? I think I did. It was a uh, it was a uh, last year. Was it, it was either last year or, or during the bubble? One of the two. No, it was definitely last year because we had it here on the Hockey Show. And uh, Gilbert Godfrey, you know how they do? What are, what are those called on the internet where you could pay a famous person? Cameo. Cameo. Oh yes. Talking to the mic, Patrick. This is radio. Um, cameo. So somebody from Carolina paid. Gilbert Godfrey to do a whole spiel about the Carolina Hurricanes being the best. And, of course, it blew up on Reddit. Everybody loved it. Well, Colorado has a pretty good Reddit presence itself, right? The Avalanche fans are very involved in Reddit. So they themselves did the same thing and got Gilbert Godfrey to do one for the Avalanche. And it was hilarious. If you haven't seen it yet, you know, YouTube it or something, find it. It's pretty good. Gilbert Godfrey. Just not knowing what the heck he's talking about. Every time I think of Gilbert Godfrey, I think of the bird from Aladdin. Iago's just sitting there <laughs> master planning with Jafar. So that's that's what Gilbert Godfrey will forever be to me. So it's great to know that we got a bird of a fan for the Avs. I'm with that. I think uh, that's probably his most uh, well-known role for me, too. Um, but yeah, time to preview this game. We got a game tonight. We are only six and about six and a half hours until game time. And... We, we, it's it's quite the matchup ahead. I mean, I think San Jose's been a team that's up and down, right? They started the year really strong. They had a Canadian road trip and kind of cleaned up, said, hey, Canadians, remember us Americans? Hey, boom, boom, boom. And they won a bunch of games, and you're like, oh, wow, the San Jose Sharks might be somebody this year. And then they kind of regressed to the norm and uh, kind of – they're pretty much a mediocre team, but they're still four points ahead of the Avalanche at 7-5-1 and one with two more games played. I guess what are you expecting out of this uh, matchup tonight? I mean, I think they, they've, for starters, they've had a pretty good year. They're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, they've been led by one of their young defensemen, Mario Ferraro, who they put an A on his jersey this year. And, and that says a lot about the, about the, not the Vancouver Canucks, the San Jose Sharks, because they have so many leaders in that locker room and Couture and, and uh, Burns and Carlson and, and Vlasic and all these guys where they took a young 23-year-old defenseman. They put an A on his jersey. He's a former second-round draft pick. If you're wondering why the name Mario Ferraro sounds familiar, that's because he was Kale McCarr's D partner at UMass for two years in 18 and in 19. So he's been having a hell of a year, but you've started to see a little bit of a resurgent from other guys. Brent Burns got 12 points in 11 games, and you have Logan Couture, who's got five goals. Timo Meyer's got five. Hurdle, six. Jonathan Dolan, who they traded for many moons ago, has six goals. They, they're, they're getting offense from everywhere. With that being said, and also in goaltending, James Reimer's been pretty dang good. He's got a 940 safe percentage with a 3-2-1 record in six starts, and Aiden Hill's 4-3 with a 904 save percentage and a shutout. So their goaltending have been pretty good as well. They're kind of going on split duty there. With that being said, this is a game the Avalanche need to win. Mm -hmm. This is a game they need to win. They need to start to rack up those points. Shout out to our old friend Matt Nieto, who still plays there. But this is a game the Avalanche have to take and really start to build a little bit of a winning streak here. Well, here's a fun little stat to back that up. Since the 2019-20 season, Colorado is 8-2-0 against the Sharks in its last 10 meetings. The Sharks just A lot of that last year. Yeah, Sharks are just a team that the Avalanche have a really great record against at home. I mean, you, you remember seasons past going into the Shark Tank and the Avalanche tend to struggle, but at home... Uh, since 95-96, the Avs are 29-14-6, and six, so I absolutely think this is a, a game the Avalanche can take. Uh, you know, Brent Burns, like you said, he's doing pretty well. He's riding a six-game scoring streak right now. He's six-game point streak. Uh, you know, we mentioned Nazem Kadri's five, so I think those are two guys we got to keep an eye on. But the strength of the San Jose Sharks has been their penalty kill. They're the second-best penalty kill in the NHL, Arif. And with the struggling Avs power play, you know, I think that's another key to the game here, right? Uh, the San Jose Sharks have now gone six straight games without giving up a power play goal. Well, that's something the Avalanche want to stop because they need to get their power play rolling. They had a couple of those goals against the Vancouver Canucks. And again, you're at home. None of these numbers matter when you're the Avs because, you know, we've been saying this whole season. We talked about it when they went into Florida. They went into Tampa and the Capitals and all that. Obviously, they didn't have the best road trip then, but... When you're the Avs, it doesn't matter how good any other team is doing. You are a team that's at the top of the list, that's expected to win a Stanley Cup. You're still the betting favorite odds to win the whole dang thing. You're probably going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. You need to go into every game knowing you can win. And when it's a team like San Jose, who's probably going to be on the bubble for the playoffs the entire year, if not a lottery team, uh, you got to go in with the mindset that you can score a power play goal. You can win the game. And uh, you can, you know, clean up two points. And, you know, speaking of those goalies I talked about, Reimer's the one with the 940 save percentage. I did forget to mention Aiden Hill will be the one starting today. He's 4-3-0. He's, he's got a 
281 goals against a 904 save percentage in one shutout. So the Avalanche don't have to play the goalie that's got the excellent save percentage. Or goals against. He's almost a whole goal against yeah. more than James Reimer. So. 12 goals against in seven st- seven games, six starts for James Reimer. It's a heck of a number. He's playing a heck of a year. So the Avalanche are going to get Aiden Hill. But regardless, even if it was Reimer, you need to go into this game knowing you can win this. You're no longer playing St. Louis over and over again in teams like Tampa and Florida and the Capitals. You're playing a team that you should beat. And uh, you're going to go and play another few teams coming up that you also should beat. So you need to be able to build in a good streak here while McKinnon's on the shelf. Yeah, there's a lot of youth on this San Jose Sharks team, right? I mean, you pointed out Ferraro. And I think Jonathan Dolan is another guy that the Az got to keep an eye on. He's a rookie. He's actually leading their team in goals right now with six goals, two assists. I think he's tied for first with their team. But, I mean, obviously a guy the Avalanche haven't seen before, not really familiar with outside of rookie showcase tournaments. Um, so, again, just more pieces to watch. I think we, we're, you know, hammering down what, what to keep an eye on and keys to the game here tonight. Yeah, and Jonathan Dolan's one of those guys that you expected to be this good a little bit earlier in his career. Uh, he's a little bit of an older guy. He's 23. He was drafted in 2016. I remember him because he was traded from Vancouver to Ottawa, other way around, from Ottawa to Vancouver for Alex Burroughs when Ottawa went for Burroughs to be a rental in that 2017 run where they almost made the Stanley Cup final. And then in the Vancouver system, he really didn't do much for a couple of years. He was supposed to be one of those guys that comes up with Elias Pettersson, and he's also Swedish, so it would have been nice to see that. But then the uh, San Jose Sharks came and picked him up from the Canucks for a prospect that's probably never going to play in the NHL, and now he's got six goals in 12 games. So shout out to this guy. He's got two of their game-winning goals as well, 26 shots. He's he's doing everything he can to, to prove that he is an NHL-worthy forward and probably a top six or top nine winger. So now that we've gone all over all of our key notes for the game, and you know we kind of mentioned how we feel that the Avalanche are just in a spot to really go on a, on a bit of a winning stretch here. Uh, the Avalanche actually finished October four four and zero. So as it felt like they were kind of struggling, they got out of it at five hundred. But that actually snapped a streak of fourteen consecutive winning months for the Avalanche going back to February twenty nineteen. Now it's not a losing month, fortunately; it's a five hundred month, but. 14 consecutive winning months for the Colorado Avalanche snap last month. So that's why I really think that they're geared up to go on a on a tear here because they got that bad month out of the way. It's the first bad month they've had in 14 months. They're going to go back to what they're used to, and they're going to go back to winning. And I think that all started in, uh, at Ball Arena against Vancouver on Thursday. It's a good team, man. I mean, that's, that's the only way to shake it. 2017-18, they were playing with house money. They got that series against the Predators when... You know, they just barely even sent it to a game six with that game, that the, the nothing but guts game where they scored two goals late. But then they went out and they added Donskoy and Kadri and Burakovsky and Nachushkin and all these guys. And, you know, going into that 1920 season, it's so hard to keep up with these dang mirrors with, with COVID. But uh, going into that 1920 season, they, they really started to become one of the better teams in the NHL. Last year, obviously, they won the President's Trophy in a weird season. And they're a good team, man. They're 4-4-1, four, four and one, but... Again, we've talked about all the reasons why that is, and McKinnon having one goal is one of them, and all the injuries and suspensions and COVID and blah, 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 new goalie, new system, but they're starting to pick it up. They really kind of brought it all together against Vancouver, and they've really set themselves up to go on a huge run here. Um, And it would be hilarious if we listen back to this in a couple games and they've lost a couple more like they did against Columbus. That was a bit of a a, a setback after beating a couple of good teams, but... I'm very confident that they're going to have a winning month in November. Yeah, I just don't see them having a losing stretch here and us having to make fun of ourselves because you you see the confidence in them. You see themselves still believing that they're a great team, which they are, and you see some things start to come to fruition, like the depth really contributing. I mean, we talked in a couple segments ago how Nichushkin, O'Connor, and Newhook were the biggest pieces of that winning uh, of that winning game against Vancouver. So keep building up with the depth and let's see how the top six eventually makes its way into the season here. Yep. And here's how they're going to end up the month of November. We're almost halfway through. They got San Jose tonight. Then they go into Vancouver for another game on the 17th. By the way, Tucker Pullman was suspended two games for that hit on Kiefer Sherwood. He returns that game November 17th. So they got San Jose, Vancouver again, Seattle, who can't buy a win, Ottawa, who's been up and down, but more down than up there. They've only got three wins on the year. Then you got Anaheim, who's really hot right now and led by Troy Terry, who played at DU, uh, who's having a heck of a season. And then you got the Dallas Stars that we talked about that haven't won in regulation. And then you end off the month, surprise, surprise, with the best team of the bunch, the Nashville Predators and Matt Duchesne, who's finally having a good season since 
signing with the Nashville Predators, and I'm really happy for him, but that's how you're going to end your month before you go into December. Yeah, One, think, two, three, I, four, five, six, seven games. you got to win five of them. I think it's funny you say that, and Patrick, I want your two cents here because it really felt like on Matt Duchesne's way out, it, 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 there was a lot of hostility, right? Everybody was like, oh, man, I hope he trips and falls on his way <laughs> to Ottawa and you know maybe even wrecks his car. But now it's it's gotten so sad over the last couple of years that you're starting to cheer for him, yeah, right? You want him to be and better. With Matt Duchesne, now you're seeing success. It's like, all right, go Matt Duchesne. And you see his greasy picture with his slick back hair and some little fuzzy mustache. So I guess has the hostility worn away for you, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I definitely agree that when it was right when it happened, I was just like, yeah, I don't miss him. I, I'm glad he's gone, you know, and um, I think a lot of people felt that way, but yeah, I, I want to see him succeed in the same way that you you kind of just want to see someone succeed that's maybe had a rough go, um, and he has he absolutely has had a rough go, and I'm glad to see him succeed. It's easier to cheer for Matt Duchesne now, knowing that Sam Gerrard and Bo Byram are both pieces of that trade, and Eustace Annan and the goalie in the minors is also a piece of that trade, and it's it's you got a bundle for him, but he was a great player back then. I mean, he had a rough start with Ottawa that 17-18 season. But in 2018-19, when the Ottawa Senators, you know, were kind of starting to fall off the map a little bit, in 50 games, he had 27 goals and 58 points when he got traded to Columbus. And then he obviously went on that run with Columbus where they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then he signed in Nashville, and it's kind of been downhill since. His first season, 42 points in 66 games. That was the COVID-shortened year. And then here is a number that sticks out to me. Last season, he played 34 games out of the 56. He had 13 points. He's already got more than 13 points this year. He's got 14 and 14. He's got eight goals and six assists. He's on a streak right now. He's got a couple of game winners in overtime. Shout out to Matt Duchesne, man. He's going to be turning 31 in a couple months. He's he's a grizzled vet now. He's a dad. He's married. He's got a kid. He's 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 a new person from that guy that left the avalanche, which, again, considering what I just said, was for him three teams ago. I want to give one last shout out before we wrap up this segment here, and that's to Gabe Landeskog. Eric, I want to take you back to the 2011 NHL draft. You know who? What? What's the biggest name? I know you know this. Who was drafted with Gabe Landeskog? Jonathan Huberto. That's a big name, but Nikita Kucherov was a part of that same draft. That's right. Yes, he was in that second round. La- Gabe Landeskog's goal the other day was his 223rd of his career. That's the most of any player from the 2011 NHL draft, and one more than Nikita Kucherov. And Kucherov's hurt right now, so this is a chance for Gabe to really. Build up those goals and get ahead of him. Shout out to Gabe. I mean, it's been... Uh, I had no idea it was such a neck-and-neck neck race there between the two. Well, I mean, Kutrov also missed all of last year's regular season. Yeah, he's he, only, t- he tends to be hurt yeah. here and there. He's played 518 regular but, season But Landy games. tends to be suspended a lot, so... Yeah, yeah. I'm, and again, we talked about this on the podcast, but I'm, I'm really happy with the fact that Gabe Landeskog has kind of brought back that tough rough and tumble kind of game, that nasty, tenacious game that, he's both, that he kind of got away from for a couple years. And then speaking of which, by the way, he's played about 170 regular season games more than Nikita Kucherov. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, again, this is Kucherov. This is a guy that's good for 50-60 goals and 50-60 assists every season. He is a heck of a player. To even be in the same breath as him is 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 a good thing for Gabe Landeskog. While we're spitting out stats here, Landeskog appeared in his 696th career game the other night, tying Elaine Cote for the six most games Cote. played in front. Cote. So all that being said, that segment being done, does Patrick, does the San Jose Sharks put any fear in your heart for tonight? No, I think we're going to crush him, man. It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? I just have a a weird confidence. uh, I'm with you. I think the Avalanche share that weird confidence with you. Arif, how about you? Any fear in your heart from San Jose tonight? The Avalanche, no. They're going to take this game. They're going to run away with it. They're going to build off of it. And Gabe Landeskog is going to get another game-winning goal, uh, which, by the way, his 39th game-winning goal, which came last game, Past Peter Forsberg for the Avalanche as well. So shout out to him. Right. So I think the only thing we're not feeling good about is maybe the power play. But everything else, we're buzzing tonight over here at the Hockey Show slash Hockey Mountain High podcast. We got a mashup for you here today. So thanks for hanging out with us. We got one more segment to go before we get out of your hair. So, uh, yeah, right here on My High Sports, JJ, Arif, Patrick Stedman, Danny Bailey. We'll be right back. Stay ting, I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he stays black as black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. Welcome back. It's the Hockey Show. Gotta let that drop first, right? 
JJ Drez, Arif Dean, Patrick Stedman, we're here we're mashing up the podcast and the radio show. Let us know how we did. We're almost done here, but uh, it, it was hard. It's, it's tougher than the podcast, right? We got more concise thoughts. We got to throw it around just a different setting. I don't know. It was different. It's different. Well, we're not done yet, though. We got one last segment to really wow you. So let's take it. Let's take it home here, boys. Um, I wanted to get into some predictions, right? Looking at our friends from DraftKings and uh, checking out some of the odds for tonight. The Avs are a minus two thirty-five favorite. So I mean, considering all the stats we just read you and the breakdown of uh, the keys to the game tonight, I can see minus two thirty-five. That doesn't excite anybody, right? No, this is the kind of game where if you're taking the Avalanche, take them on the puck line minus one and a half, and really, you know, get some positive numbers out of that. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, over tonight is 5.5. How are you feeling about that? It's a minus 120. So, again, that's favorited to be what happens. Let's mark it right now. The Avalanche win 5-2. They hit the over. Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche kind of seem like that's the, that's the mode they're in, right? It, it reminds me a lot of last year. That's And that Vancouver game, I think they did such a good job of avoiding this. Last year, they always would just pop off for one period, right? Three, four goals. And you kind of felt that that's what was happening against Vancouver. And then suddenly, the second period, they had three goals just like they did in the first. So. Yeah, it took them until 11 minutes into the period to score. But once they did, they kept going. And, you know, they didn't even have a bad start to the period either. It was it was fine. They played They played pretty much the closest to a full 60 minutes that you can expect out of a team that was up six goals after 40. And as you mentioned, the, the goaltending matchup tonight is Darcy Kemper versus Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill is their backup. Yeah, and a couple of former teammates there from the Arizona Coyotes last year, so they're both itching to get at each other too, I bet. Well, and that's the kind of what you got to look into it is Aiden Hill was Darcy Kemper's backup last year. Aiden Hill is James Reimer's backup this year. So you're facing a backup goalie. There should be no reason that you don't light yeah. him up for five goals at least. I mean, him and James Reimer have split the game so far, but it's it's one of those things where it's a veteran and a young guy, and you don't want to rely on the young guy too much too early. So uh, he's kind of a 1A, 1B there, but I would say he's more of the 1B than the 1A. Here's my uh, here's my take for the night too. This is the one I love. I'm gonna go Miko Rantanen anytime goal scorer plus 115. I just think easy he, take. He's buzzing right now. I yeah. think his confidence is right where it needs to be. He's gonna throw down uh, some one tees for us, put his knee down, and and bury at least one tonight. You don't see you don't see Miko score two or three hat tricks a month, but you do see him score a lot of goals and often lead the team in goals like he did last year. So he's the kind of guy where. If you're reading off a 10 game, you know, his past 10 games, it's like goal, goal, no goal, 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 no goal, no goal, goal, goal. Like he scores a lot. You know, he kind of distributes his goal scoring over over a bunch of other games. So it's for one goal, it's an easy take plus 115. That's a decent number there. Yeah. And then uh, Devon Taves is getting in the mix, right? I mean, he's been such a key piece to the bomb from the the blue, right? It's a lot like Miko Rantanen where he I don't know if you knew this, but he walked away from the last uh, game with two points. He had a goal and an assist. Yep. So a lot like Miko Ranton, he kind of subtly throws those points in there, and suddenly you, you realize, wow, he's got a ton of points. Patrick, any other action that you like out there? Any other prop bets that might be uh, enticing for some Avs fans tonight? Uh, definitely saw a couple props that just sort of like the Miko Ranton one uh, to score a goal. That seems like an easy one to take. Um, and not even specifically, just like you said, any time. Um, and then the abs to win by three goals is a plus 190. Um, I think that's that's Ooh. almost a lock, man. It just feels like that five to three that you were mentioning is going to come to fruition, man. Five to two. Five to two, sorry. You did say I'm, that. I'm trying to get Darcy Kemper to have less games where he gives up three <laughs> goals. It seems oh, yeah. like every game he plays, there's that third goal that he lets in. So I'm going to go with five to two. I do have a question for both of you, and it might be a question for this Twitter follower that tweeted at me yesterday. So obviously the JT Comfort goal, we thought he scored that last power play goal. It ended up being Tyler Myers' stick that hit it in, mm-hmm. which gave the goal to Miko to give him that second goal. So when I brought this up in the morning, there was a video showing that before the NHL made the goal scoring change, I got a tweet from a guy named Tyler DeVito, at Tyler underscore DeVito 14. And he sent me a screenshot of him with his sports book, plus 195. He won the play for JT Comfort to score a goal in that Vancouver game, just to score one goal. Oh, no. Is that something that the bookies can come back and take away from you? I think absolutely. Because if that was me and I saw that video, like if I was the one that play, made that out. play, as soon cash as I out. see that, I, I cash out. <laughs> I delete my history. I delete my account. I want nothing to do with that sports book ever again. I'm going to legally change my name, take my 195 and run to the bank. Yeah, change your phone number. All for $100. You can, all for $100. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I'm excited. I want to challenge anybody going to the game, though, who might be listening to this. I can't help but point this out. I think the game against Vancouver the other night was flat from the crowd. The energy just wasn't there. I mean, I know it's tough when the Avs come out of the first period and put three goals in back to back to back, 
it kind of sucks the energy out of the building. But I just feel like even at that point, you didn't really feel even the hype the, from the crowd. The hypest the crowd got was during the Bud Light Seltzer, which which can is the puck under game, right? No, Long no, I would say it was the two goalies that were skating for the finish line during the intermission <laughs> during that one little uh, course that they do. But uh, it was like that from the opening faceoff, and I mentioned it to you at the game. Uh, it sounded like a cafeteria at a mall it 100 entire game yeah there was no hums and awes and ups and downs it was just right. a lot of people chit-chatting among themselves just while the white noise is putting in a power play like it was a really odd uh feel to the game on thursday but it's saturday now everybody's feeling great yep. nobody's coming off of work and tired and grumpy and yep. hungry and let's let's get the crowd going here for the avalanche here yep. against the sharks exactly the crowd's gonna be lubed up it's saturday night there's gonna be a different <laughs> feel I think uh, everything's going to go a lot better tonight, and I, I hope so because that was flat. That was boring. It just had a subtle white noise. You know, it's it's bad sign when you're up in the press box and you can hear the players on the ice yelling to their bench to go change. So, Patrick, I know you're going to be in the stadium tonight. You're going to be in the crowd. I'm, I'm leaving it up to you. You're in charge of getting the people around you going. Start the wave if you have to. Oh, yeah. I'm going to lose my voice tonight. I will. I will make sure that. So that, be that, beautiful. That being said, predictions, predictions. I think we already got Patrick's. He said five. We got Arifs. He said 5-2. I just agreed with him. Yeah, yeah. So you're both saying 5-2? What do you got? Uh, Mainly because it works out with this prop that I'm not taking. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I'm, just going, I'm going with the puck line. I'm not going to give a direct prediction. I, I just Puck line's an easy play here. Yeah, puck line. Yeah. I think for once, the Avalanche will actually score an empty net or two. That would be nice. But then again, to score an empty net would mean you're only up by one or two by the last couple minutes of the game. And I don't know if it'll be like that, but... This is all going to sound hilarious if the Sharks come out to like a 3 nothing lead in the first period. They're I just don't see here. it happening, and that's what I anticipate from the Avalanche here. Put the Sharks in their place. They had a nice start to their season. Make them realize the actual team they, they are, right? They are who they thought they are. Wait, I got that totally wrong. But no, I think the Avs absolutely take care of business. The crowd's going to be buzzing. All three of us are going to be in the building. We're going to help keep that energy high. And yeah, as always... You know, we we got to get out of here. It's a it's a time limit on this show, guys. It's not a podcast where we could just go till we're done. So we got to get out of here. Thanks to everybody for listening to us. Thank you too for stepping in for Ryan. Thanks for Ryan for enjoying some skiing. I miss you, and uh, we'll see you next week. And yeah, that's all I have to say. This is the hockey show, Mile High Sports. Catch us live. Catch us afterwards. Just catch us. See you guys. Time.